0: You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network.
1: All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck podcast dedicated to Montreal it's football I am Tim Capper you can find me on Twitter at Repact that's R-E-P-P-A-C-T
2: and I'm Cliffy D you can also find me on Twitter at Cliffy D and this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Sport Buff where right now if you head over and put in the promo code flight deck 15 you will save 15% off of your order head on over to SportBuffshop.com. I do you doing Cliff oh dude always living the dream
1: I know <laughs> Punch and pie.
2: (laughs) Punch and pie. If you know, you know. If
1: you know, you know. (laughs) Hashtag punch and pie.
2: Uh, We want to
1: first say thanks to the guys uh, at Sport Buff, Chris and Gary. Uh, We've extended our... Our uh, partnership with them, and uh, as Cliffy mentioned, we now have a promo code which will be available to you at any time for any of your orders. So once again, go ahead and show them some uh, some local support, and uh, head over to their shop. and It's on, hey, more than CFL. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you know, if the stuff that we were doing this week and stuff like that, um, you know team i mean it, it's it, it we will admit it is a slow news period i mean we even know we're going to talk a little bit about the about the combine uh which i think they did a very good job on uh, especially their their online presence um but i mean we also want to talk about some of the stuff that the team had done i mean uh you know even though we had our interview with gino last week uh we were able to see him this week too um you know we saw him over at the uh at, I guess it was version <laughs> version 2.0 of the locker room sale over at the warehouse uh, this past weekend. And uh, uh, just, hey, we got there. Didn't buy much. I mean, we got to support uh, Corey and, and the group, obviously. Uh, but uh, we were able to talk with everybody that came and talked with Gino for, I mean, we, were, what, we were there for, what, two hours or so, something like that?
2: Oh, easily. Just sitting there talking shop with Gino and checking out all the merch and everything like that. And it's, it's funny because, yeah, there was a time where if you slapped an Alois logo on it, chances are I was going to buy it. And I'm looking through all this stuff. I'm like, well, I've got that. I've got that. <laughs> that's too small. Well, I've got that. That's too small. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there, were, there, there was nothing there, unfortunately, for the husky gentleman. Uh, you know, like if you're like you know, really, really tiny, like a size small this was the sale for you if not i mean like you know unless you wanted to like have like the workout tee like you know just kind of cram your uh cram your husky frame into a, a small size small to look muscular but uh i wasn't about that besides most of the logos i have anyway so <laughs> yeah so yeah no like we still wanted to go and we still wanted to show our support and it it was good to see Gino as well out in out in flesh i mean we have yeah. not seen Gino in a long time yeah. and uh, it was ottawa
1: just, at ottawa first game at ottawa last year uh, second game actually was it second game yeah oh you're right yes it was a hell of a lot colder you're right
2: <laughs> it was cold as balls let me tell you i <laughs> even pie, gino remembered how and cold pie it balls <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah oh uh, no it was it was definitely nice to to sit and uh and chat with gino for a bit and uh, i mean we already spoke with him because he was on the podcast last week or two weeks ago but yeah. uh it was just nice to be able to sit and see him in person, and you could tell he's just—he's fired up. He—he—he wants—he wants it to be June already, and who can blame him? I oh mean, no, he,
1: kidding! He, he's
2: ready to go. I mean, he, he actually—he was out uh, with uh, Vernon out in uh in Washington last week, and you see the two of them grinding. Like if you follow uh, VA on Instagram, he was posting some of the workouts they were doing and some of the training they were doing. And, and
1: Gino too on Gino's Instagram yeah. too. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And. Yeah, these these guys are getting ready. They are getting ready for the season. So folks, be excited. Like the fact that these two guys, as well as they know each other and just how hard they want to work and they want to ball out this year. And believe you me, like they're going to do it or die trying.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're able to find out, too, some of the other players that we're going to be heading down to uh, to the training session that's going to be hosted by VA. And, and just about, I think, it'll be during our off week or more, maybe I think it's uh, or our next, around where we're going to be taping our next podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Gino, uh, Wayne Stanbeck, uh, Jake Weneke, um, I think uh, Fabian Guerra is going to be there. Who else did Gino mention? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here.
2: I'd ask him if uh, Hergi Miguel- Majella is going to be there, the new acquisition for uh, from the Calgary Stampeders. and he said he's supposed to be going to that, and it'll be his first time meeting him too. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: uh, yeah. It's uh, so one of those things couple- we have to we have to do a special trip for next year. We just got to find out the information and uh, and uh, pay our way, so to speak, just to get down there. And you know, it would be fun though. Whether or, we stayed a day or two, you know, we didn't stay the entire thing. It would still be fun as hell
2: absolutely or if uh, you know some angel investors out there want to you know put together a I don't want to say GoFundMe because that seems to be tainted now or uh, no it's the other one that's tainted the give send go or whatever the <laughs> hell it's called
1: yes that's what it
2: was the one that was doing that fakakta thing for the uh, <laughs> the, the the freedom convoy g-
1: g- give send no go um.
2: yeah. <laughs> look if someone just wants to drop like 20 grand on our doorstep and you know Patreon. We'll shout you out. <laughs>
1: uh, Patreon. We, we, Cliff and I have gone back and forth about this. Be honest question, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Would you support a Patreon? Just let, just send us a DM. Send us a DM on Twitter. I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think.
2: Or, or. Yes, yes. The public pays us to not do an OnlyFans. <laughs> That's it. If you do not want us to do an OnlyFans, you send us money. How's it? that?
1: Nobody wants to see my any belly button. Is that a thing?
2: Let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I definitely think uh, we we've got to do this. uh, You know, and I I have no doubt in my mind that uh, VA and the boys would be thrilled to have us come out and uh, you know check out what they're doing. So that we at least let let each and every one of you listening know what's going on as far as the training goes, because it's
1: fun. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a blast, man. That would be really really fun I can only imagine the people but hope we hope to have more information on that uh or you can also follow the you know Gino or uh uh Vernon's socials and uh we hope to have some more information about that too so or get one of the guys who, who was down there uh, on the pod in a couple of weeks so there you go yeah um but yeah but it's, speaking of the of that I mean great seeing Gino as you said um you know the fans that came out it was great seeing some of you guys and and meeting you for the very first time and stuff like that and Um, I will admit, uh, I can't say much, but, uh, got to see us. Uh, we got to see a sneak peek of some of the new merch that's going to be coming out for the Alouettes in 2022. Uh, it's pretty sweet. Uh, remember a comment you made about a particular item cliff. Um, yeah. So stay tuned because, uh, there's gonna be more than more than one way for you to be able to, to get your merchandise, uh, at home and in stadium. And that, that's all, that's all I'll say. I want to, don't want to spoil everything for the guys at the boutique
2: oh no not at all if anything i'm hoping this kind of you know stokes the fire a little bit because i'm telling you what folks there's some really interesting stuff that's coming down the pipeline and uh oh yeah that turf tradition
1: stuff Woo! i'm <sighs> so waiting for that stuff
2: oh man i you, you just know like and from what the teams or what the cfl has done in the past as far as their turf traditions or their retro looks and everything like that like they for the most part they've been able to hit a home run each and every time and I have no doubt in my mind it's going to be the same. So I'm I'm excited to see what uh what the Alouettes retro look for this year is going to be and you know just go ahead and take my money folks. You know that's that's really what's going to come down to, you know. <laughs> uh,
1: what I thought was interesting, too, and by, by the way, before we go any further, we, we have to at least mention, uh, we do have a, a a guest on this week, and yes. it's a first-timer here on the podcast, but a very a long time Alouette uh, and a current coach with the Owls, and we are going to be, in a very short little bit, we're going to be speaking with the defensive coordinator,
2: Baron Miles. Oh, th- this is exciting, folks. I mean, this is not just an Alouette's legend but a CFL legend, a Canadian football hall of famer. And yes, a very, very good defensive coach. Mm-hmm. And he belongs to the Alouettes. And we, we were so excited to have the opportunity to sit down and chat with him, talk to him about all sorts of things. It, it's going to be a great time. You, you folks are going to love this. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, again, if you're able to, to once you see the new merch pot that comes out or we get any other information, please, uh, please, uh, uh, you know, look to our, any of our socials, you know, whether it be the website at, uh, whether it be at our Twitter account at, at alouettesfldeck, uh, Flight Deck Pod over on, uh, sorry, I think it's Alouettes Flight sorry, Flight Deck Pod on, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, alouettesflightdeck, uh, YouTube, which by the way, yes, we are still trying to give away a jacket. Do you guys not, I'm sorry, do you guys and gals do not want a jacket? just get us all we need tell everybody if you can get us to 100 uh, 100 followers and uh, we'll be giving away a brand new with tags delta satin throwback jacket
2: so. exactly 100 subscriber folks is is that really so hard is that really too much to ask just more than 30 it's all we need guys it's all we need there you go tell a friend tell a coworker. tell tell whomever yeah. tell them to subscribe to the alouette's flight deck on youtube yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah, please. And thank you. Yep. Please. And thank you.
1: Pay? Yeah. Uh, but also uh, some other news that came out, it was yesterday uh, and I, I was going to say, Oh yeah, we can talk about it today, but I kind of forgot what day of the week it was. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was broken by, uh, uh, beat writer, uh, Herb Zerkowski, that there's going to be a press conference on Thursday. We're taping this on a Wednesday, uh, that the Alouettes are going to be hosting this year's training camp at a place in Quebec for the very first time, and they're going to be heading up to Three Rivers
2: or Trois Rivières, as it's more yeah. typically known yes. here. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, 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 let me ask Do you call it Two Mountains or Du Montagne? Du Montagne. Oh, really? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I call it Two Mountains. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's a brand new location. I think it's very funny that it's it's one of the places that i think it's it's time wise it might be longer to get there but i think it it it's on average on all these places that the owls have gone outside of montreal all these years whether it was saint-jean whether it was out to lenoxville or Sher- sherbrooke/lenoxville um you know saint-jean i think i said saint-jean already but victoriaville yep. was another one cuz i've been doing some 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 research here cliff on on where our since we've been talking about training camp and just trying to find out where the Owls in their history have been. Um, so what what are your thoughts about them heading out to uh, uh, Trois-Riveres? I mean, they're going to they're gonna be housed, I think, over at of trois if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was actually looking into, because they have a baseball team in the Frontier League, uh, the, the, the the Eagles. Yep. And But they're not in town, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. I w- would have loved to have seen a game there. But anyways, what, what are your thoughts on them, uh, on exposing the Alouette's um, training camp experience to another part of Quebec.
2: Well, I think this kind of speaks to what uh, Alouette's president Mario Cicchini had talked about with us uh, in the season finale last year about uh, wanting to expand the Alouette's reach beyond Montreal, Mm -hmm. like trying to make this Quebec's football team. And what better way to do that than to actually kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit, get out of the five one four and really get the word out as far as the Alouettes and get, let people see this team in action up close and personal.
1: Yeah,
2: And, uh, you know, the, the Alouettes have, this is not the first time they've ventured out of Montreal to do this, as, oh, as yeah, you okay. stated. And I can't help but wonder if it's just, you know, just another way to help promote this team and help really reinforce the idea that, yes, this is the Montreal Alouettes, but this is definitely Quebec's football team. And what better way to do so than to get out and be a part of Quebec itself. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, I was kind of looking forward to having camp closer to home, so to speak, like at personal Molson or even at the big O, but you know, I'm I'm down for a road trip. I'm always down to you know hit the road, and if that's what it's going to take to see uh, these guys in action, yep. I'm del- I'm definitely willing to make that trip. Yep. And and the officials aren't date uh, aren't official
1: yet, but the league has set some dates. You know, uh, the May 11th will be for uh, when rookie camp starts, and then on the I think it's the 14th. It's the 14th, or the, I got to check my uh, check my calendar. It's either the 14th or 15th of May where training camp officially starts. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I wish it, you know, I guess I'm, we're we're kind of spoiled it, being in Montreal over the past couple of years. Um, but you know, every time I've had to go out out of the city, you know, whether it been to to Sherbrooke, Lennoxville, or or wherever, um, you know, it, it was still a good time. wasn't be able to, you know, I wasn't able to go and watch watch practice uh, at lunch when they were over at Percival Molson. But you know, <laughs> it is it is what it is. But we're we're going to still support support this team as much as we can. So
2: no, that's it, and. uh like, I, I sincerely hope that they really do try and make it as open as possible, so that uh, fans can come any day of the week that they that they're able to, and, and just really get the word out as far as making it clear that you know this is your chance to see these these guys in action up close and personal, and get back to where things were before before COVID, like where. You know, you get to go and you get to meet the players and get to meet the coaches and get to talk to everybody and just, you know, really get, you know, get that that fire stoked, if you will, as far as uh, football comes up for uh, for this year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with the history research I've been doing on their locations that they've been hosting training camp at, you know, it's it's funny that most of the time I saw when they were at a location that was outside of Montreal, they felt that the, you know, they were there to play football. You know, take all the distractions away. Yes, I understand you want to be in your in your own, you know, your own uh, home or or your or your condo or your apartment. This is just you know, it's it's team building. It's team building, and I, I kind of get I get it. So that that's what I kept on seeing over and over again when they were in in Saint John, where they were in Sherbrooke or whatever it is, It was about getting ready to be a team going forward. Uh, it's just for a month, and you know then they'll uh, then they'll come back home and uh, start the season so
2: yeah i never 100% bought the narrative about montreal being such a distraction for for people like and that was kind of the reason as to why they would have camps like an hour plus from the city so that players that are coming in they've never been to montreal before and you hear all about the temptations and everything like that which i really don't think that's so much of a thing anymore again you could probably thank or blame covid for that but um I don't think that's necessarily going to be an issue, but like, as you said, it's a good way to sort of get out and help promote the team. And it's also a good chance for bonding and a good chance for building that camaraderie, that relationship yeah. uh, that th- a good team needs. You want to build that good locker room and keep what you have going. And I think this is definitely a, a strong way to help sort of foster those those feelings and emotions. So yeah.
1: and, and, and if the team is smart and, and, you know, if they want to start really getting to the idea when it comes to – uh, uh, advertising team or promoting the team, the, the team better. I, in my opinion, I think they need to make sure that they contact the Tualatin Eagles when they're in town because they are going to be in camp when they come back when the Eagles play at home for the very first time. You need to make sure that you make a big deal about the Elwitz. Make sure you get them. Hey, get them out there to throw the first pitch. Something, please. I, I, you know, Mario, please think about this type of thing. You're talking about trying to get them out into the community. What mm-hmm. better way to promote this team than with a local with, with a local team like the Eagles?
2: Exactly, have an Alouettes day or night or whatever you want to call it, and yeah, help promote the team, help promote like, and it goes both ways. Like, you know, they'll help promote the Eagles, and the Eagles will help promote the Alouettes, and help again just foster that idea that hey, this is one of Quebec's baseball teams, and this is one of this is Quebec's true football team. So yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I hate to tell you, as soon as we're done taping, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm making the suggestion on social, tagging Mario. You
2: speak have it, to, you got to make speak it into existence.
1: Yeah, we got to get this, get this done, get this done. So,
2: yeah, I, I'd like to point out we're not charging this idea. This the first one no. is free, but yeah, uh, no. after that, uh, you 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 got to holler at your boys, and uh, you know, we'll talk.
1: <laughs> so actually, I better
2: better tag Gary too. There you go. Let's, uh, yeah, you you know he'd be down for that. Yeah. You know, tag tag
1: Mr. Stern. That's the thing. So. Um, but yeah, uh, let us know if you what you guys think about it. I mean, are you are you going to go out there if if you, whenever you can uh, just support them, whether it be on the official opening day if the team does that this year, um, or another weekend? You know, you could be like Cliff, where I think, wow, how many years ago was it, Cliff? You, mind you, you were, I think you're on vacay at the time, but you spent the entire week at camp when they were in one year in Sherbrooke.
2: That's right. So that's and, and awesome. It, it it was fun just to be able to go every single day. And watch football. I mean for someone like me, like that, you know, lives and breathes football, like it's like a dream come true practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I I think I even the most hardcore fan would be kind of hard pressed to try and replicate something like that. But listen, if if the team's willing to give you that opportunity to be able to go and check out this team seven days a week, so to speak, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean I think just even if you just go one day to see what these guys are doing, see what what goes down, see what what's what's coming into place, see what's being prepared for this upcoming season, I think you owe it to yourself, folks, to go and check out a training camp session if you're able to. So, by all means, uh, hopefully we we'll get all the details uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, we'll start getting a little bit more of an idea of what to expect for training camp yeah. and
1: check our socials. We'll be we'll, yep. be we'll be putting it out there for sure. One hundred percent. Yep. Hey, as we mentioned before, we got an interview. Uh, what an interview it was Uh, this is the gentleman who mentioned to us specifically before we started the podcast uh, if you remember Cliff that he's not one to really give interviews and if he does we had this whole talk about how when it came, you know, how he usually dealt with it, and we, which you'll see in the interview, how he dealt with uh, with with media and stuff like that and giving interviews. But for us, for him to give us his time, we really appreciate it. We hope you guys enjoy it. Um, so let's get to the interview with Baron Miles. And when we get back, i uh, got a couple more subjects before we finish up the show. Very special inter- interview with us this week. Gentleman has won multiple Grey Cups. He's won a Grey Cup for Montreal. He's won a Grey Cup against Montreal. He is in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Can you guys guess him yet? No. Well, how about this? We're going to be talking with a man who's going to be looking after our guys on the defensive side of the ball this year. Coach Baron Miles. Okay, Baron, thanks for joining us this week.
0: Oh, uh, glad to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
1: Um. Uh, for just to bring everybody up to speed about you know, as I said, you started your CFL career with uh, with Montreal um, as a, as a player. Um, I think what many what many people ask, I guess, when it comes to any player who played football and especially those who came to the CFL, obviously we we know you're you know you're drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, but when you were suggested to come to the CFL. Who made the suggestion, and how much convincing did you need to have in order to play?
0: Um, it it wasn't wasn't whether or not I was going to play football. Right. It was just where. It was just um, I had an offer, three offers from arena teams um, that wanted me to come play, and um, at the same time, of those three offers, Jim Pop called out of the blue and offered me a contract. So I was like, wow, I went from being cut by pitch sitting at home, trying to figure out my life, whether or not I'm going to get a job or am I going to continue to train? And three in arena teams called and Jim pop called, And so we weighed out the contracts and I felt that going to Montreal would be the best avenue for me and my family. And that's, I just took off. I said, I'm not holding back, let's go. Plus when I looked at the roster, I saw a lot of guys' birthdays in the '70s in the secondary, and I oh the '60s in the '60s, and it was '67, '68, and I was like, "Them some old guys back there." I got a good shot, so (laughs) that was my little little kid bit. But I'm coming to to Montreal.
1: So, and and at the time too, um, you know, this is the time where, for those who don't know, the Arena Football League was starting to gather in steam when it came to offering contracts so they the als uh, the als offer must have been that impressive to you for for you know, for you to say you know what i'm going to come and play with montreal and i'm sure jim pop as you said had a lot to do with it too
0: he did i i think um yes but the, the my my only goal was i wanted to play arena just to play receiver i always wanted to play receiver oh okay so i was going to get the shot to play receiver so any the arena team that called me um the rattlers the Orlando team, and I think the the New Jersey, I forgot the name of Uh, The Um, Predators and the the Red Dogs. The Red Dogs, New Jersey Red Dogs. They both, all three called me, and my first question was, do I get to play receiver? I know I have to play DB. I want to be able to play receiver. And they asked the question, well, can you play receiver? And I'm like, yeah, I could play receiver. So that was going to, That was my sticking point. I was like, I really want to go just so I could play receiver. Mm-hmm. And then Jim offered it. Then for me and my family, I'm going. Yeah, I think the better offer is with Montreal, especially in the long run. I get to just play. Um, so that's why we took that offer. Yeah, and Mont in the Arena League. Yeah, was paying pretty well at that time too, especially when it just started. Yeah, yeah, they was playing pretty
1: well. Um, how obviously I you know you're trying to. You're thinking of going to play the 50-yard game, and you're obviously coming up here to play the 110-yard game. How, uh, how hard was it to get used to the 110-yard field in your rookie season?
0: Uh, it was hard, I think, um, especially with all the motion, especially because I play with vision. I played with a lot of vision and so uh, played with a lot of vision. I think um, when I see all the guys moving, I had to tone it down a little bit just because I, everybody was moving. Uh, and I couldn't key in on certain things just because one person moved or I knew the fullback was going to move by himself. I knew to play and things like that. So I had to learn that the different motions and the def- different movements means different things and to hone that skill. And, and once I did, it was, it was okay. The CFL game is was pretty much made for small DBs that are quick mm-hmm. and can move in, in space. So um for smaller DBs that's a, that's a plus okay
1: any any of the rules itself stood out to you the most because I, I know as you said you know you're you have something that you're concentrating on the most but uh, any of the rules offensive defense or defensively any rule that stuck out in your mind the most when you first got on the field for your, your rookie training camp
0: um the special teams were tough um with the the five yard halo mm-hmm. and 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 just um, there's still a lot of motion in that and trying to time things up. That was that was kind of tricky, especially on special teams. Yeah. I think that was probably the hardest for me. Um, just because I love blocking kicks and seeing guys come into motion and trying to block you and peel you off the edge. That was different just because normally you could see everybody in front of you and then you could try to get around them. But yeah. uh when the guy is in motion and, and slam blocking you down on the edge or crack block. Crackback blocking on the edge, yeah, that was that was a little different for me. And then the five-yard halo,
3: okay. I learned
0: to love it after a while. Learned to love it. It was great after a while because then I could, I could, I can peel back block and get a lot of TKOs that way because yeah. I knew they had to slow down.
1: Now, obviously, you made a huge impression that first season. I mean, you were the CFL's East Division Rookie of the Year um, as a rookie, as a new guy coming into the game. Do those early accolades? Mean as much to you now as they did may have back then, or for you it was just a matter of of you now you knew that you were learning the game and you were making a name for yourself in this league
0: uh that see this is a trick question um realistically, I knew I was good and I knew I could play okay garnishing the the accolade just solidified that now it we was just saying, okay, I need to sustain it, I need to be uh uh I need to make sure that I'm consistent in my work, my body of work. So once I put that out there, that's me. That's how I play. That's what you should expect. Mm-hmm. And that was my goal. Once I went up to the CFL, I said, hey, if the NFL don't want me and I want to play in the NFL, I can't play in the NFL. I have to go to the CFL. Then if I think I'm that good and I should be in the NFL, then I should be a dominant player in the CFL. So that's, that was my mindset. That's what I wanted to do getting the accolades and getting recognition, that's a, a plus. Now that I'm older and I got it, yeah, I get to talk junk to some of the younger players and tell them, hey, your rookie season, what did you do to accomplish? Type type stuff like that. And I can mess with them. But for the most part, my goal was to go up there to be a dominant player, to come up to the north and be a dominant player. And that's what I wanted to try to do.
1: Isn't it gr- isn't it great, Cliff, to know that a coach can just really just get under your skin very easily as a rookie DB. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: incredible. I mean, that's that's what it takes sometimes, you know, like like iron sharpens iron, right? So I mean, exactly. to have someone that knows what he's talking about. I mean, if right. if I'm a r- rookie DB, yeah, of course you're coming in, you think you're all that in a bag of chips and then all of a sudden your coach comes in and he lets you know what's really going on and takes you to school. In the end, you may not like it at first, but you're going to appreciate it in the long run, especially do because at the end of the day, Coach, your goal is to make these players better mm-hmm. and make them in, in your image, essentially. So you, it's kind exactly. of on you and it's kind of on them to be the best possible.
0: Yes, I agree. That's 100% correct. I think I, I, I challenge them sometimes. I'm, my standards are very high. I, I expect a lot from the guys when they do something normal and the things that they're supposed to do, I tell them up front, I said, you won't hear anything from me. That's what you're supposed to do. When you do something out of the norm, and I'm like, hey, that was a great play, and you hear me say that, then you know, okay, you did something that I wasn't expecting you to do. I didn't think that was in your game plan. And those are the good moments, and those are the moments I coach for. Just because when I see guys grow and have that growth in them, and it comes out, that's an awesome feeling, especially as a coach.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Now, speaking of awesome feelings, let's talk about – you helping the Alouettes bring the great cup back to Montreal for the first time in 2002. Talk to us about that football team, because I, I, I definitely think that that team really carried itself. It had a bit of a swagger. It had so many talented players, great coaching by Don Matthews. What was it about the 2002 team that was so special?
0: Um, I think it was, it was just the fact that we were just playing. We were just like, we was a bunch of athletes. We was a bunch of guys that loved the game of football and we just wanted to win and when we stepped on the field that was the mindset that was our mindset of just okay we want to win this game how do we do it and then the coaches came up with the game plan and then we just played football on the football field we said all right let's go follow the game plan but yet let's use our athleticism to make our plays that we're supposed to make and the game would be easy and and it was that's the way it, that's the way it felt that's the way it went awesome but, and Plus yep. the the, two, plus the 2002 Grey Cup. When you learn about me, um, I got hurt that game, so I didn't even get to play in that 2002 Great Cup. I don't believe, did I? <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think. I don't think I play. I got played the um, playoff game. The I got hurt right before the Eastern final. I hurt my leg something in practice, and I couldn't make it because my name my name couldn't go on a Great Cup. Because I didn't participate. Oh, yeah. Oh. That, that's, how, that's how I know, yeah. And I think I was up for Defensive Player of the Year, and I didn't, that's, that, I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't, I, my name's not on the Great Cup, and I didn't, yeah, because I didn't play that game. I got knocked
2: oh. out the East. Oh, yeah.
0: that's,
2: that's got to stick in your craw just a little bit. I,
0: yeah, yeah but, but, but see, people don't realize that. That's the, my makeup. I was like, I was happy for the guys and happy for everybody winning. I was happy for us winning. But if you ask my wife, she knows like that gray cup ring. That's like I have it because of the season I had. But to carry it for the gray cup and knowing that I didn't play in it, I was ready to go to the next season. I was on to the next season, ready to play. Right.
2: So, well, yeah. there's no, there's no question. You had the the all star capabilities that year. You you definitely. As far as I'm concerned, you you played a championship caliber, so you definitely had the right to call yourself a champion, even if you weren't physically on the field as far as I'm concerned. You, you did what you had to do to become a champion, so I, I yeah, say you it was just, that ring
0: Yeah, it was just my mind it was just me it was just my wife kind of was mad at me, but I was just like I had that feeling. I was just like I, I'll celebrate, but'm it's time to play next year. I need to play so we can get back to the great Cup. so yeah. that was my that was my mindset.
1: That's that must be tough. I think we I think we need to petition the uh, the CFL. You know what? If you if you're on the if you're on the roster for an X amount of time, and you and you at least if you play in that playoffs, your name get on the Grey Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it was yeah, it was that was rough. That was I was yeah, that wasn't a good time at that moment. I was just like what? I was like oh okay.
3: <laughs> so yeah. so
1: so obviously everybody remembers the 2002 parade for you. It's it has a totally different meaning to yourself.
0: Yes. Yes, it does. It surely does. You're absolutely right. Wow. I almost didn't go to the parade, but my wife was like, it's not fair to your teammates that shared it with you. I said, you're right. So that's why I went because of my, my teammates that participated and played their hearts out to win it. So I said, yeah, you're right. I need to go, and then I support them as well. So if it was the other way around, they would do the same. So,
2: And not to mention, too, like how many players have – Fought and bled in this league and never got a chance to be a part of a great Cup parade. So mm-hmm.
0: I, I can understand exactly. that sentiment. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, that's why she's my rock. She 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 through my football career. If I didn't have her, oof, I don't know. Ah, uh, well, I don't know what I would have said on an interview. It'd have been bad. <laughs> she controlled me. She filtered me a whole lot back in the days. Because yeah, she said no, you don't need to say that. No change your whole mindset, go into a blind, don't even say anything at all. So that's how I got to where I don't really, I didn't really say too much in interviews. I was just like, okay,
1: keep it to myself. That's that's actually, you bring up a very good point, Coach, because, you know, people are Monday morning quarterbacks all the time. That's what fans, you know, fans that have, a, they think they have a right to complain about anything and everything. But when it comes to players, yeah, you know, you guys, I know, I know. There, if I am not mistaken, there is they they teach you how to deal with the media. They teach you how to do this and the other. How yeah. how tough as a player? Because we we've, we've seen it happen before. You know, how tough is it, is it a player to have to answer a question where you know they know what the answer is and it's, they're just trying to get a soundbite out of you? Does it make you feel? Oh. Does it make you feel good as a player, or do you feel that you that you are just being well? I, do I dare say used as, as, as just to get a, a soundbite?
0: No, it's, yes, yeah, it's baited. It's the player knows. They, you know, you know it. I think at sometimes you just, you, you're just like, I'm fed up. This is my answer. This is what you're going to get. You want to get the real answer? This is the real answer. And sometimes it works in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. But uh, I think it happened to me one time. It was a game we played in, I forgot the team we played. I think it might've been Hamilton. We played Hamilton in Montreal and I was going after a kick. And they were trying to kick a long field goal. might have been Winnipeg. They were trying to kick a long field goal, and we went after it. And I jumped, and I think the other rusher from the other side, he came and hit the kicker. And then they got the penalty, running into the kicker, and it was a five-yard penalty that he ended up kicking and making the field goal, and they won the game. Right. So after the game, everybody lit into me, like the coaches, uh, Matthews, like – did you hit him? I was like, and I was at that point where I was just fed up. I was just like, no, I didn't hit him. Why do you keep coming up to me telling me I hit him? I didn't hit anybody. I've been blocking punts my whole career. You think I'm just running to the kicker? Like I'm trying to find a way not to run into the kicker. So, um, then they swore up and down because somebody ran into the kicker and I was the closest one to it. So they, everybody said that. And then all the newspapers the next day, they were asking me questions. And then I just laid into them. Um, about it, I was like, I don't really care. I don't care what the coaches think. I don't care what the players think. And after that, everybody wanted to have an interview with me. So I knew, okay, I said something crazy because it was just one of those moments. I was just tired of it. I was like, I played all season not running into the kicker. Yeah. All my careers of not really running into a kicker, and I just ran into kicker. I mean, all right. So then they everybody looked at film, saw it. Oh, I wasn't even bearing it.
1: Yeah. Dang. So you you you, you gave him the iris and the iris practice before there was the iris in practice.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I was just like I was, you know, to me, I was just I was just fed up. You know, I don't normally say anything. I'm a nice guy. Sometimes that's good. Some, obviously, sometimes that's bad because people try to take advantage of you. Yeah. But I was just like, yeah. At, at some point, the player is going to blow up, and it's going to happen. Yeah. The the reporters do try to goat you and bait you into that stuff, but if you don't say anything at all, they, don't, they can't get an answer from you. Yeah Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I mean, you made, you made a huge name for yourself obviously in Montreal. I mean, you were a CFL All-Star three times, you know, 99, 2000, and 2002. Um, right. I mean, you became synonymous to being one of the best guys on the defensive side of the ball for many, many reasons. Right. When you look back at your time as an Alouette, Besides the besides, obviously, what you know occurred in your first season, and and what happened to, for the Grey Cup season, what do you remember the most about the city and, and your time playing with the Alouettes?
0: Actually, everybody always asks me what city in in Canada you love the most, mm-hmm. and Mont- Montreal is the city. I mean, I actually did stuff in the city. Went to Tromblon. Went went to Quebec City. I, I traveled around the province of Quebec. And it was a great, it was a great feeling to do, especially with my family and Anthony and us. We always go up to Tremblant on our bye weeks and we'll just rent a, a townhouse and we'll just cook out and fish. And we just ventured out and learned different spots in the in the province of Quebec that we would like to go and revisit So it was nice just to get out and do that. And, and still, I'm playing a game I love mm-hmm. and they painted me for it. And I get to do this. Um, that was outside of the football and everything like that. So it was just us um and our family, well my family, he tagged along with him and his future wife. And they they helped my kids along, and they was Uncle Anthony and Alexa, Lexi. And so it was it was a good feeling, but at the same time, uh playing a game in Montreal, the fans at McGill Stadium next to you, breathing down your neck, loud voices. I mean, it was it was a great feeling, especially when you walk around the city and they actually know a defensive player. I'm like, they're like, that's Baron. And
2: they actually knew me.
0: I was like, mm, alright, that's I must be doing something, right? So, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was a great feeling. So, it was kind of nice.
2: Now, talk to us about the uh, friendship that you have with Anthony Calvio, who is also not only a teammate on the field, but now you guys are teammates again in the coaching ranks. Talk to us about the, the relationship that you guys have had, what started it, and what's kept it going all these years.
0: I think um, what started it was it was our early morning bus rides to work because uh, we stayed on Il Dessert, Nuns Island, and um, he stayed in apartments across from, from me, and we walked walk to the bus stop, catch the bus to the Olympic Stadium, or if it's the off season, we'd catch it down, downtown to go work out. At Sportif um, on Peel Street, so um, that started it, and we just went to work. And I, I think, um, like I tell most people, I tell my son, I said, all good athletes hang out with each other because they like the what they what they are what they are around, and they like the aura that's out there when they hang around each other, because you you know how to win, you're preparing to win every step of the way. And that's what you feel. That's what you feel when you're around those type of people. And so whenever we're around each other, we challenge each other, whether it's on the field or off the field, every single time. And that was a great feeling. And our friendship just grew from there, especially him being around my family and my kids and watching them grow up. And then even now, as we're a lot older, he's a lot older than I am, but he's a lot older now at the same time. He's uh he has his own family now, so it's, it's in reverse. So just to go watch him go through that and watch me go through that in my late nights or we have trouble in our family, he has trouble in his family, just for us to have that support whenever he, even if we don't talk together for a couple weeks or months, if something happens and he needs me there or he needs my wife or vice versa, then drop whatever they're doing and, and come help. So that's that's a true friendship. That's that's what we built. That's what we have, and it started. It started up with work ethic and knowing that hey, I can count on that guy every single time, uh, on the field or off the field. So that's a great feeling, and that's alone why those Montreal teams were that well, that good. Just because guys had that same mentality, they wanted to be around. Them. We
1: hear we hear quite a bit from many of the players that we have interviewed, coaches that yes, you have your your regular family being yes. being on a team or being in a, any team on any any you know in any league especially football but it's a different type of family isn't it because it's you're all part of the CFL family but yet it's a very unique family it's not like it's not like you it's something you may have with a brother or a sister this family of yours can be wrong in so many ways it can be right in so many ways but it's it's your family no matter what right
0: that is right we we call it my wife calls it football family Okay. So that's my, that's my football fan. And the only people that understands that are people that are involved in football. Mm-hmm. They understand what that means. Like, I can, have, I can have no immediate family, no blood relatives or anything like that around, but I have my football family. And that's home. That feels good because everybody's going through similar things, whether it's the, the dads are away at practice or we getting together for uh game night or something like that. It's just understanding the football family. And yeah, it's, it's a great feeling, but once it goes away, that's tough. Especially when my, when we ended up moving away and back to the States, um, that was tough for my wife because she was so used to that, like football family. These, these women around here, just, they don't understand, it, you know, it's what football family means to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, having that having him a part of that and having a lot of guys a part of that is um, a wonderful feeling and I wish everybody could experience it
2: yeah all right we we've covered your career so far as an outstanding football player good enough to get into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame what what led you to transition to coaching though what what was it about coaching that appealed to you that made you decide you wanted to continue to be a part of this wonderful football family
0: um I always I since the seventh grade, I always wanted to coach. I saw my gym teacher. He was a coach. And I, I just loved the way all of us kids reacted to him just and, and hung on to every word and how he tried to help us and the energy he put into it to make us successful. And I think since that point, I always talked to coaches. I was playing the sport, whatever sport I'm playing. I always go talk to him. Why, why are you doing this? Why would you tell us this? Why would you have this meeting? When you're talking too much, why are you talking to us that much? We don't need that, that much direction. So I was always intrigued by it and asked those questions, even at a young age. And um, it just kept growing. And then as I got older, um, I went to college, I did the same thing. I sit in the office with Turner Gill, uh, Kevin Steele, Tony Samuels, all the defensive guys. Turner Gill was the quarterback's coach and part of the offense. And I would talk to these guys about scouting different players. What makes this player good? And Why are you picking this guy? And it's always intriguing. I've been a part of it for so long because the football is my life. That's what I wanted to do. That's whether I do it the same as anybody else. I don't do it the same as anybody else. I don't try to be. I'm my own person. I do my thing. I understand what helps me and what makes me tick. It may not make everybody else tick. So I don't worry about what that perception is supposed to be. I go about the game as simple as I can. It's a simple game. And when you're coaching it, you got to make it simple for the guys to, to react and play and use the athleticism. And so as a young guy, I started at a young age, seventh grade. And once I got mm, 2000, late 2000, no, early 2000s, I would go with Jim Pop and uh, Marcel, Deja, um uh, scouting. And I started scouting with them because I told them, I told John, I said, hey, you know I, hey, I, you know I want to coach. And I kept trying to get in, kept trying to get in. So every offseason, I think in 03, 04, 05, I think, those, not, maybe not 05, 03, 02, 03, I think those are two years I went scouting and I started doing the combines and being a part of those different things. And when I ended up going to BC, I did the same thing with Wally. I said, went in the office and said, Wally, I want a coach. Let me go scout for you. Let me go do mini camps and do different camps for you. And he said, You still playing? This is Wally. Well, you're not scouting for me. When you stop playing, then you can come scout for me. And I was like, Okay, okay. So every year I would go back to him. And I think one, one I think a coach, two or three coaches got sick. And he didn't have anybody to go to Washington to do one of their mini camps. And then he called me up and said, hey, Baron, you want to go We show some coaches? You can come, do the stretches, do the DB drills, whatever. Let's test you out and see what you do. I said, that's my shot. And I jumped in, went gun-hold, did my thing, and didn't look back. And then after that, he asked me to go to certain ones. And before I knew it, before I finished in '9, I was doing uh, all-star games in Atlanta, all-star games in California, in Texas. And that's where I saw Big Hill um, at in Texas, small school all star game. And I saw all these guys, and I was going by myself. I'd go fly out and do all the scouting for a while, And then that was it. I was in the coaching. Wow. Pretty, I was still,
2: playing, but I was in the coaching. It was good. That's pretty exciting, especially uh, considering the career that Adam Big Hill's had uh, for you to unearth that talent. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, the tricky part was. I told I met him. I met Miggy in in that camp, and I called him. I was at, on the field. And I called uh, Neil McAvoy. I said, Neil, I got somebody for the necklace. And he's like, Sure, Baron, whatever. <laughs> What's the thing? Okay. And then he looked him up. and He was like, oh, I don't know, Baron. We'll think about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about this. Write him down. We it'll be okay. So then um, I knew we were going to the Washington. We always have the the last a uh, tryout camp in Washington. So I called Big Hill. I said, make sure you at the, the camp in Washington, the tryout camp in Washington. And I didn't tell Neil or Wally that he was coming. I just let him show up. And he showed up. And then they started going through drills. And all of a sudden, I see Wally talking to him. I said, yes, got mm-hmm. it. And then that the rest was history after that. That's cool. Wally, Wally took him under his wing. And that, I had nothing to do with it. So that was good. It was a good trip. That's
1: amazing. That, that's so cool to hear.
2: <laughs> so, uh, Bomber fans, I think you owe our, our man here a, a very big thank you. Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no,
0: it works out. It's, it's crazy how that stuff happens, but yeah.
1: That's really cool. I didn't
0: just, started start coaching. I've been trying to get in for a while and learn different things from different people. I got tons of people to learn from, so that's been ahead of me, that's been with me. Um, so, yeah I just add it all together, and then I make my own pie.
1: now n- let me ask you this coach now obviously, you finished your career with b c your first defensive job was with b c correct do you think if Wally didn't know your ethic and and how they knew how you did your stuff, and obviously you, you know adam big Hill on the c f l and stuff like that do you do you think that you would have succeeded with an going to another team or it's because of your work ethic, not only as a player, but as they saw as, as a coach is what they is why they wanted you on the squad.
0: I think it was, yeah, I was a coach, and I, 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 yeah, it was a combination of all of the above. Mm-hmm. I think even if I wouldn't have coached there, it would have been I would have been I would have went somewhere to coach in, in, at DBs or something of that nature, right just because I played the position. And I was pretty successful at the position, kind of, you know, for a long period of time, 12 years in the CFL playing. So that's a lot of years. Yeah, I was a player, but yet I, I was in a lot of defensive meetings and heard a lot of different things and different ways to do different things. So um, it was a good avenue. I think it, that was the – I was thinking about playing another year. So it was kind of like, hey, all right, you're 38, about to be 39, Darren, that's kind of old. We've got a young guy behind you. We have this job. We would love you to scout in the off-season still. And then you'll coach during the regular season. you coach safeties, coach, sec- coach secondary. It's a great avenue for you, great transition. And I'm like, okay, if I am only going to play one more year, yeah, I'm not really into playing anyway. I, could, I, ain't, I know I'm going to try to give all my heart into this. But if I'm thinking about coaching, am I really ready to play another year and give it my all and train like I'm supposed to, to prepare for the season? So then that made the decision like, okay, I could take this offer. And then, um, I don't, I can hang my cleats up and feel good about it. And then that'll be the end of it. So
1: You kind of, you kind of answered my question too on why you see, as you said, you, you weren't sure if you were going to play in 2010 and what made you change your mind? Um, was it tough? Was it tough to walk away from being a player and being to, to transition to be a coach though?
0: Um, no, because I've always felt that way. If you ever heard me in a meeting, I asked the, all the what if questions mm-hmm. to the coaches and I don't hold back. I, I said, we're out there playing. If I'm going to see know that there's a problem, okay, what's your answer? What's your solution? And then if there is none, how did you they handle it? Yeah. So, I, I got to see all of it firsthand and hear it and say, okay, that's how he handled that one. I like that that part of it. I didn't like the way he handled this one. And I took it all, I take that stuff all in and add it to my own repertoire and say, okay, I know how to handle different situations. So that's what I, I pride myself in to try to do. But at the same time, to becoming a, from a player to a coach, the hardest thing I had to learn was patience. I had to learn that, okay, you got to be more patient because they're not going to be able to see it the same way you're seeing it. Right. And when you're looking at it. You got to be patient with them and then find that comfort zone to, to lead them into what you want them to see. So that was probably the biggest thing for me and my expectation. My expectation is are you are supposed to make that play. And he's like, he doesn't, he, no, he, he wasn't ready to make the play. So I've learned, by now, to understand that and say, "Hey, I didn't expect you to make that play. You didn't hear me say anything to you. You hear me say that to the players. You didn't hear me say anything, did you? No, no, coach. I said, all right, that's not your fault. I'm not expecting you to make that. And then we're gonna go over to make that play pretty soon. So, it has the stages. Wow, that's
1: yeah, because we see all these all these different coaches, and we see some, you know, a play is made, and it looks like a player is getting reamed out by a coach for whatever particular reason, or this or that." It it sounds that you channeled everything, and even though you were a first year coach, it's as if you had been a veteran coach for multiple years. And I, I I'll be honest with the coach, I'm impressed, man. I really am because I I'm sure not every player can be a coach after their career is over.
0: You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I I I ask myself that sometimes. I'd be like, what in the world is going on? I you know that that's what scared me the most of becoming the DC like just because of my outlook on myself, right. my expectations on myself, what I'm expecting from the players, what I'm expecting from the coaches, what may be too much. It may be, you know, I may be overboard and that may drive me crazy. The way I do things, the way I see things, I see simplicity. I see football in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Football is easy to me. I can do football in my sleep. I can talk about it. I love it. I, If I talk to you, I, you hear me speak up, and I talk. I'll start talking faster and faster about plays, and you'll have no clue because sometimes the guys, the coach, you gotta slow down. I did not get understand that. I didn't get it, and then it's just my excitement. I get excited. I'm like, yes, this is gonna be great. This will be a great play. This will be things to do. All right, this is how we're gonna do it, and then we get it done. And It's sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not because everybody's not in the same. They're not at the same stage. Some are a little behind. Some are ahead. Some gets it. Some get it like, okay, I got it coach. Okay. And then you get on the field. Then it's like, ah, I thought I had it. I didn't really have it. So that's why we go through film. We go through board. We talk about it. And then we go on the field and we walk it. So we go through all four of the stages. So I know one of those ways they learn better by. Mm-hmm. So I figure out which player is going to learn from different ways. I say, okay, I know how he's going to understand it. So I don't ask him a question in the meeting. I may ask the other guys because they get it. Then I take him on the field and I say, he gets it better when I show him he, and we walk through it. And then I ask him all the questions because I know, okay, that's his time of learning and he got it. He sees it better that way. So I find different ways to help different players and I help them try to make plays. And that's what I am trying to do. That's cool. All
2: right. Now, as far as the progression or evolution of your coaching career goes, after spending years with different teams as just a defensive backs coach, Montreal finally gives you the opportunity to become a full-fledged defensive coordinator. What was it about? Like to go from just coaching DBs to now being in charge of everything? What steps did it take for you to come to grips with that and to accept the idea that yeah, I can do this. I could run an entire defense now.
0: Um, I think I always believed I could run it. I mean, quiet as kept. I want to be a GM. I want to be a head coach to, to be in that aspect of it. I, you know, every, every person I talk to, every scenario I'm in, I try to learn from, whether it's good or bad. I try to learn from and, and go that, that route about it. But being in the D.C. for the first time, I was terrified. I was just like, okay, not because I thought I was going to fail, Again, like I said in the beginning, I, my expectations for myself and that I put on the players and will it be too much? Will it be overboard? Will it, you know, drown me to where I'm like, okay, I need to slow down. I need to – I. It, it was just one of those things. And I, I love football. I've been doing similar stuff in the smaller scales with my son's team, coordinated head coach, um, just – just doing it now it's old hat you know being scared about it that's that's like playing your first football game or your 20th football game or your 300th football game you always get that jitter like i could get beat he could beat me and then you have that fear you're like no okay i could do this this is my game all right i could play same thing i just flip it and i go through as a dc i'm like okay what do i need to do how do i need to get it done this is how i'm gonna get it done I don't have this, so, okay, this is what we need to do instead. And I just went about it that way. I did it my way, and and the chips fell where they may. Young team, always had young DBs when I was a D, DB coach for a lot of teams, and you learn to deal with the young, youthful guys because they're kind of oblivious to the dangers, but yet um, you thrive thriving on their youth, their energy, and, and they're just – the willingness to just try anything where you fall into to bad karma with the youth is that they have never seen the CFL game before and they're going to catch hiccups and they're going to have explosion players giving up and different things are going to happen just because they don't know. And with experience, you get, you get experience. You get guys that's been around seeing things and different things like that. So you manage, you're managing all the players on defense for me as what I knew I had to do. So instead of just doing it with the DBs, I had to manage the full group and let them know, hey, you're not starting this game. I got to make sure they're still on board with the defense because we may need them down the road. So those are the things that um, I had to take care of, and I had to make sure I, I was up to, to par with it and understood my relationships with the players, where I needed to be, and how I need to conversate with them and make sure they, they just understood that you may not start this game. You may have to start next game due to the ratio, whatever happens, injury. All right, I'm going to need you to play next week, though. And everybody got to be on the same page. We got to be on board. And attitude's got to be checked at the door. Mm. I, I hope that answers your question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for 100%. sure.
3: Yeah.
1: Hey, no. well, By the way, sorry, I want to ask you one quick thing, Coach, before we continue here. I, I'm, I'm looking at 2020. You know, the lost season. Yep. You were you were the D you know, you were D B coach, but you were also the passing game coordinator? Defensive pass game. Oh course. defensive pass okay, t- it wasn't making a, a, a uh, it wasn't making a <laughs> wasn't saying what yeah, it was no, it, so okay. No, defensive <laughs> pass game coordinator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Hey, he talked about wanting to be a wide receiver oh so many years ago. Why not?
0: What <laughs> did you know fun facts, fun facts. My first catch. It was in the preseason game. Uh, Don Matthews let me play receiver, and Anthony threw me the ball, and I caught my I caught a go ball. We was playing Ottawa. Um, where we were playing at? We was playing somewhere yeah. east. Was it east? I think we went east, and we played. It was it was a preseason game we played, and it had to it had been, right, it had had been Halifax, Halifax or Quebec City. It might have been it might have been Quebec City. Ah, it, I don't know. But anyway, coach <laughs> said, all right, Baron, let's go. Get in the game. What route you want to run? I'm running the go route. And Anthony, first thing he said, he got in the huddle. He left the huddle. He said, it better not get picked. <laughs> and I, was, and, I was like, he's not going to catch the ball. That's what I do. He's not going to catch the ball. I'm going to get it or nobody's going to so, And he just threw it. And he threw me, but he threw it. It made to so throw
1: the ball out there, but I caught
0: it. I was one for one, so that's epic. Yeah, I, got, I, I did get to play
2: receiver, so it was
1: all right. I like that.
2: There you go, just notched it off the bucket list. <laughs> caught yeah, a pass, Betsy exactly. Calvillo. That's how, right.
1: How tough was it for a lost season? Because you, I know you, you've been hired by the Owls in 2020, you know, you weren't you didn't have the yeah. current position that you have now, but uh, how was it? Because we were asking everybody about the lost season. How, how was the lost season for you as a coach, especially your first year? In Montreal,
0: it was it was tough, but I don't think I mean for a coach, yeah, to lose a season, it won't be that bad. I think it hurt the players more than us as coaches. Okay, I, so for, for the coaches, I I mean, yeah, you lose your rhythm, you lose your timing, you lose you know your consistency of how you do things, how you prepare for the off season, going into the season and things like that but the players i think it hurt the players more than it did the coaches
1: okay now we know that you know, ever since coach kahari has come here football seems to be re- revitalized in montreal once again which was sorely sorely needed considering after all the all the you know all the bad years that we had here in montreal tell yeah. us t- <laughs> tell us what it, what it's like being a, a coach under coach kahari
0: it's it's refreshing actually it's um he's passionate about the game but like Really, he's truly passionate about it. He cares about people, and he truly cares about you. Where sometimes you just, you know people say that all the time, and you like, it doesn't really go. And then with, with Kahari, he genuinely loves the game, and he loves what he's doing. He loves showing up for work. And, again, like I said at the beginning, that, that 6 o'clock bus trip on Nunn's Island with Anthony, why did I hang out with Anthony or why did Anthony hang out with me? It's that, hey, that sense of pride that I want to win, I have this work ethic. This is the way we work. This is the way we move. You want to be around it, And that's, the, that's what Car Harvey brings to the, to the organization is people want to gravitate to him because, yeah, he has that sense of pride. He's not too anal, but yet yeah, he has that drive and willingness to say, this is how we need to get it done. I'm willing to adapt and do this to, to, to make it happen. And um, to coach for a guy like that, I mean, it's a blessing. It's a blessing.
1: How often, how often do you razz him? Because obviously he was a quarterback, you were a DB.
0: All the time. Yeah?
1: <laughs> I, didn't know
0: the I don't even know the questions you about to ask me, but it doesn't even matter. All the time. <laughs> he finally looked it up. I think somebody told him. I told him, I said, I picked everybody in the league. I said, I picked you, Kahari. He's like, No, you never had an interception on me. I'm like, I'm telling you. <laughs> I have an interception against you. And then I think a reporter or somebody finally looked it up and said, Then he came to me. He's like, All right, all right, you, you did get an interception. So um, that reminds me I get a football so he could sign it. And then I could put it in my house that yeah, I got an interception off of. And
3: then
1: <laughs> and, and and did he say to you, Coach, if you ask me again, you're fired?
0: <laughs> no, he didn't, say that. he didn't say that because he couldn't say that because he threw he he probably threw two touchdowns on me so even down even okay.
2: down <laughs> you win some you lose some <laughs> exactly exactly coach let's talk about the 2021 season uh, your first full season as defensive coordinator for the Alouettes uh, the team goes seven and seven. Makes it to the playoffs. Unfortunately, doesn't advance past the Eastern semifinal. When you take a look at the year, as it were, for the elowitz when it comes to defense, do you think you were able to accomplish everything that you were able, you wanted to get done in 2021?
0: Not even close. Not even close. I mean, again, expectation may have been too high, but that's my expectation. That's when I when I do something, I want to be the best one at it. I want to do the best I could, and Granted, we want to be better and moving forward. That's what we want to be. We want to be a, a solid um, unit, dominant unit. We want to be competitive on all phases. And that we wasn't consistent enough in 2021. And hence, we got knocked out of the playoffs. Starts with defense. All
2: right. And uh, as far as your your charges go, uh, who do you look at on in, in the secondary and say – that's the next Baron Miles. Who amongst those guys do you look at and see a lot of yourself in?
0: That's a hard
2: question. You,
0: everybody, Anybody that knows me and listening to this will already know the answer to this, but I'm not going to give that answer because this is one I need to be quiet. My wife is in my ear telling me, don't answer that question the <laughs> way you
2: want to answer it. <laughs> so... Okay, okay. You, you can't play favorites. I get it. That's that's fair.
1: <laughs> but we yeah, but we still appreciate your honesty, coach. <laughs> I mean
2: Yeah. All right. Nah. all right. Well, let me throw a couple of names out there and I want to get your thoughts on these guys. Uh, I think uh, Tim will agree with me that I think uh, like the cornerstone, the crown jewel, if you will, of that secondary is Greg Reed. We've been fans of his for a long time and we definitely think he has all the talent and all the tools needed to become a premier player in this league. What are your thoughts on Greg?
0: Greg is, Greg is a great athlete, great player, um, still learning the game. Again, his third year playing, especially with the missed year. So, again, the CFL game is finicky. you got to constantly move. you got to constantly grow. I think he's growing, especially after last year. Um, we had some kind of hiccups, but just understanding that he's not by himself. Just to lock up, play man-to-man, You, we need to play team defense. So um, to get him on track with that and have this second year with him is going to be a big year for him. I agree. I agree with you as well that, that you a know, dynamic player can do a lot of great things and I'm uh, looking for him to do a lot more this season.
1: I mm-hmm. think P- P- fans need to remember too, Coach, and it's funny, all, the go, all the way goes all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the interview. People need to remember that this, this is a guy that started off in the Arena League. So he came from the 50-yard yeah. game to the 110-yard game. So
0: exactly it's a lot bigger and just see that play in that space a lot of people don't realize that space is big and you feel out you feel alone you're confident lose you lose that confidence real quick when you stand in the middle of that field you're like I gotta cover this guy one on one and he has a two way go on me yeah that's when you need your D line to buck
2: up and and get to the good pass rush Mm -hmm. right, another player though, I think is going to be uh, a superstar in the making Rodney Randall Jr. yes
0: you got to slow down. We can't say that though. We can't. We got to keep him under wraps. He's a young guy, reads his own press, gets big of himself. No, he's a great, great young guy. I yeah, I expect a lot of great things from him. Still growing and learning the game, um, but once he gets it, it's going to be hard to keep him down. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And what are your thoughts on uh, Mike Jones, who the Owlets acquired in free agency about a month and a half ago?
0: Good guy. I mean, great. I mean, the the, the film I was looking at. I don't. I gotta get him in the classroom with me to figure out his FBI, his mm-hmm. football IQ, and um, I, I got to get him in the classroom, see see what he's working with. And uh, he was with Richie Hall, so that says it all for me. I mean, being with Richie Hall, but at the same time, I gotta I gotta get in his ear, see what he's thinking, see what, how he thinks on the football field, what he thinks about certain positions and things like that. But uh, I think it'd be a big step up for us. So. A lot,
1: right. of, a lot of things you got to do in training camp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Which will be totally different this year because you'll have a chance with with preseason games again, and I think a lot of people f- forget how important yeah. these preseason games actually are without having them last year. So,
0: tell me about
2: it. <laughs> now, another thing too. Uh, your relationship with uh, Danny Machocha when it comes to these these free agent acquisitions and players that get drafted and signed and everything like that, do you have any input into it at all, or is it just a matter of Danny's like, okay, I bought you some toys, play nice with them.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's how it's been this year. Pretty much is he's buying me some toys, and I got to see what they they work, how they work, and then we go from there. But um, we're just gonna keep moving, whatever. Like I told him in the beginning, whoever you give me, whatever you give me on the field. That's what i got to make work, and then we go from there. So that's the way it's been.
2: I guess that's part of the challenge. That's part of the expectation level that you have for yourself is, let me see what I can do with this kid. Let's, let me see if I can turn this, you know, this uh, lump of coal into a diamond, so to speak. Right,
0: or sparkle up the diamond, you know, shine the diamond up. Mm-hmm. See if it's going to make it sparkle.
1: Now, one question I wanted to ask, Coach, is that obviously with you becoming a DC, you need to have your own playbook how how hard or how easy was that for you to create and going into twenty twenty two how many how many of your different uh, of your different schemes are you going to be uh, potentially modifying without obviously giving anything away to anybody else of the eight other teams that may be listening to this conversation
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, uh, that, that is tough though i mean it's very tough, but at the same time it's it it is refreshing because I can pull from so many different, different places. Yeah. Um, and right now it's just good because now it's just, I set up a base. I set a base up for us in training camp. We learn that base and then everything's built off that. So we go from there. Yeah.
1: Can you, can you have a favorite play as a coach, as a defensive coach? Um, or, or a particular scheme that you want to stick with? I mean, it's, it's not like you can call you know, any particular go route on offense, you know what? Correct. What would you consider a, a, your favorite? You know, a go route per se on defense. I mean, it 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 seems to be that offense and defense is so different on each side of the ball.
0: It is, but man, um, I need guys that can play man to man coverage. Okay, guys that that could play in space and play man to man coverage, and then that'll be our base. We go from there.
1: See, Cliff, we are going to have to wait till twenty twenty two to see what he does.
2: <laughs> I mean, if I wasn't already chomping at the bit for training camp to get started, I mean just more so now. Like now I gotta see this. I gotta see this in action. I mean, yes. this is my word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, coach, listen, uh obviously the goal for twenty twenty two, win the gray cup. That that's a no brainer. But you personally Correct. this year, what are besides winning the gray cup, what are your goals that you've set for yourself or have decided for yourself uh, in twenty twenty two?
0: If not, I haven't I haven't sat down yet to even think about that really. Um, I think when I get into training camp I, I see these young men and see what's in the room, then they'd be more like, hey, okay, this is realistic. This is what we should be striving for. This is where we need to be at this particular time. so I, again I, I may take it in stages and then we keep moving from there. I, I think we've right now returning that started some seasons for us is Greg Reed and Najee Murray. And then we throw Mike Jones in there, who I haven't been a part of. Those things. And then you got the D-line is probably the most seasoned and veteran guys we have in the defense. They're um, Aki and Ahmad. Okay. But until we get into the room to watch the makeup and watch guys, I mean, right now to have, have a goal, I – It'd be hard for me to say that because realistically, it's the evaluation period for me when I get to training camp. So how can I obviously have a goal? Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the way I lead you. See that
1: that's a see that's a fair answer, Cliff. That's not a politician answer, and I'm being serious with the coach. It's not. It's a genuine, straight answer, and that's. Yeah. Could
0: I mean? I agree. It is a straight answer. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hey, I, listen. Yeah, I got to see the
0: room first.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. coach. We we appreciate your time. It was our pleasure to talk to a former a former and current alouette, a hall of famer uh, for a man who doesn't like to do that many very many interviews, we appreciate your time <laughs> and we were honored that you're that you uh, that you joined us this week.
0: Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you a lot I, I enjoyed it actually I really did. Thank you.
1: I love it when we have guests on for the very first time on the podcast because you know we may know about their story in a way, but it's always cool to hear, You know, more about them, how they got to where they were, you know, obviously everybody knows what a great player coach was, Coach Miles was, I mean, he is a Hall of Famer for Christ's sake, Yeah. you know, just, and even though we didn't go over his entire career with, uh, you know, in the CFL. You know, we still want to give obviously the bit that' with, with the uh, with the owls um, but yeah it was it was great having him on I, I hope we're able to meet up with him during the season but uh, if not uh, we'll be more than happy to have him back on the show again
2: absolutely just absolutely so much fun just to sit down and chat like we've we've talked with a lot of coaches on the podcast and it's always a treat and Baron miles was no exception I mean he's just smart articulate funny uh, just Just a great dude to sit and chat with, uh, you know, talk football, talk life, and just you can tell the passion that he has for this job. And you heard him; he he wants to get better. Like even though he hasn't set any goals for this season, like it's pretty clear. Like you can tell, I'm sure in his head that he wants to make this defense the best defense possible in the Canadian Football League. And come hell or high water, he's going to make that happen. So once again, we cannot thank you enough coach miles for coming on to chat with us. You're always welcome to come back on here anytime you want. And folks, this was an absolute blast and we're so glad we were able to present it all to you.
1: Other than that, I mean, um, as I mentioned at the top, you know, the the league just finished up there, you know, it was a very different combine than it was last year We we had. It was three regional combines and then they had the main combine in Toronto where everybody was, uh, invited to come to, um, I, I just caught bits and pieces, pieces of it on social media. I didn't watch some of the entire lengths, which, by the way, are currently on YouTube. I think it's on the CFL the CFL YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. But from what you uh, what you saw, Cliff, I mean, anybody stood out to you the most? Uh, anybody you would hope that Danny Mochoa would potentially look at in the upcoming draft?
2: Oh, there's a couple of names that stood out to me that would be extremely interesting. Uh, the one thing I, I kind of thought was funny I found myself kind of leaning more towards the guys that will be going in the global draft, which is also going to be May third oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of funny because, like, you know, like there's a couple of names I've I kind of have in mind as far as like the from the national draft, but like some of these global players, like they really stood out and like made me sit up and take notice of what they were doing. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, "Jeez, I, I I wouldn't be mad seeing any of these guys in Alouettes colors." So it was kind of funny because I I think already the narrative and even talked about this during the broadcast uh, really quick. I got to give a quick shout out to at CF perspective uh, along with uh, Marshall Ferguson. Uh, The boys there did a really good job in helping him out with the, uh, with the CFL combine broadcast and just providing great stats, great info and everything like that. So I got to give those guys a shout out. Uh, The one thing they, they could not talk about was the fact that every time a player from, University of Laval or uh, Montreal Carabin or anyone from the RSEQ, it was just immediately the talk went right to, well, obviously Danny Machocha is going to be looking at him because <laughs> he looks at everybody from Quebec. I was like, it's so funny. Like, they, don't, they don't want to talk about that narrative, but at the same time, then Machocha will go out and, as he did last year, pretty much draft everybody either born in Quebec or played in Quebec or has some sort of ties to Quebec in some way, shape, or form. All
3: right.
2: So, I mean, the narrative is already there. And, yeah, it's just easy to uh, just blindly assume that, okay, well, Danny Machocha is just going to draft anybody and everybody from Quebec. So at that point, it's like, well, why even bother looking at all these other players? But I think now, especially now that you, you've got the, the fourth overall pick, I mean, that's a pretty high pick when you think about it. When it comes to the players that are available, and Lord knows there is some good talent that's going to be available in this draft. Who's he thinking about? And is it necessarily going to be somebody born and raised in Quebec? Because it's not it's not to say the other teams are going to ignore the Quebec born players, but I don't think they're necessarily just gonna leave them there for Danny to scoop up in the later rounds necessarily. At the end of the day, you want to take the best player possible. And is the best player possible really from Quebec? Or is it someone that you're more interested in feeling a need for? And this is this is where I'm I'm like I said, there's a couple players I looked at. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I definitely would like to see this guy with the Alouettes. I'm a, I'm almost a little afraid to speak into existence just yet because <laughs> I, it, it almost feels like am I wasting my time mentioning this? Or is it just is it really is that narrative of only going after the Quebec born players really, truly that just because there's a pattern now. I mean, you, the first draft that Jamie machocho was a part of 50 percent of the, the, the players came from the RSEQ. Last year, as I said, pretty much everyone from Quebec, with the exception of one guy, but there was a Franco-ontarian there. But there's there's still that narrative of these are the guys we want playing for the Alouettes. It's not saying they're not good, they're not you know it's not that they're not good players. They certainly are, but it's that you know the one common denominator is the Quebec connection and the fact that Machocha has probably seen these guys in action. So he's he's already done the scouting, so to speak. And I can't help but wonder if it's just because of the last two years being as wacky as what they were with COVID and everything like that, or it's just a matter of who he truly feels are the best possible players. This year, he's there. Machocha was in Toronto for the combine. He did see these guys up close. His coaching is uh, scouting staff was there as well. They got to see them as well. They got to talk to the players, get they did a ton of interviews. Now they've got to have a much better sense of where they want to go. And I, are they willing now to step out of that comfort zone, so to speak, and go after a player that is not necessarily French Canadian or played in the RSEQ or any of that that narrative that's kind of hanging overhead? This is what I really want to see, and this is what I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that no matter what, you go after the best players possible. That's really what this Ottawa team's got to do. I, I've sort of identified some of their needs, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit closer to the draft itself, but. Yeah, that was kind of the thought going through my head a little bit. It's like, okay, well, I know who I would go after. I don't know if necessarily the team is on, thinking the same way. And if it's just because of the whole Quebec thing, I don't know. I mean, it's you, you think you got to read on it, and it's, it's like the old saying. Just when you think you have all the answers, they go and they change the questions.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I love the whole armchair GM thing. I love the whole trying to prognosticate, but yeah, in, in situations like this, like you don't want to go for the low hanging fruit, but maybe that's all that's there is low hanging fruit. Who knows?
1: We'll find out come draft time, right?
2: Yes, sir. Yep. So
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, everybody knows that I'm not a draft guy, but I mean, I love hearing what Cliff usually has to say. And he's told me, he's told me off air who he's, he's looking at in particular and stuff like that. So it's, you know, did any of you watch the draft, uh, excuse me, watch the Combine? Who who would you think that would fit well with uh, within the outlets organization? Or who just stood out, period? Because um, remember, it, it's the Canadian draft. But as Cliff said, you got the global draft also. So that could be very, very interesting. I mean, uh, did we didn't even know if they'd be expanding the roster spots with the new CBA for global
2: players. That's a good question, because, yeah. Because we, uh, we
1: technically have two, all. Uh, we, we have two, how many played last year uh
2: I mean, we, had, we had two yeah we had two
1: so I, i'm curious to know if they're going to expand the expand the roster
2: i mean listen if it wasn't for the global draft we wouldn't have had joseph zima on the team yeah and we that's saw, true we saw what his punting was able to do for the LOS and it's only going to get better so i mean yeah as i said like i was really i really came away impressed with what these young global players were putting out there mm-hmm. like I, I didn't think there was like any sort of tokenism or anything like that like just you know, like these these are some guys that can ball out. And I again, I don't think would look out of place at all on a CFL roster. So it's going to, to me, like this, that's the thing I'm finding a little bit more intriguing right now than the actual national draft itself is this global draft. And again, there, there's, <laughs> it's kind of the elephant in the room. <laughs> there are global players who did play in Laval. <laughs> and uh, again, that first thought of, okay, well, <laughs> yes. we'll
1: see. We'll see, as you said, but I'm curious to know if they're going to give them the same, they're going to give the global draft, the same hype and proper coverage like they do for the Canadian draft, or if it's just going to be an online thing.
2: I'm curious about that too. And hopefully we'll get some answers for that uh, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah. uh, at this point, like fingers crossed, you know, I, I would hope they give it at least some attention as opposed to just like a a draft tracker that auto refreshes or something like that like i mean if, especially too, like if you went to the trouble of doing a little bit of promotion and a little bit of hype during the combine this past weekend for the a lot of these global players
3: mm-hmm.
2: and now all of a sudden you're just gonna kind of give them the bums rush i yeah. i just i just don't see that happening but yeah. like i don't expect to see a whole big production either but i mean what? i guess there's, there's there's gotta be something in the middle line.
1: well let's hope there's a method to their madness for having it on the same day yes Yes, that that's I, I think that we can be positive and hopefully they thought about this and who the hell maybe they haven't who the hell knows,
2: oh fingers crossed so
1: yeah one thing we want to at least talk about uh, just uh, real quickly is that uh, for those of you who may not know that the Randy's Road Trip uh, tour uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it Dog is, and Pony Show yeah is returning to Montreal uh, this coming Monday so April fourth um if you were an alouette season ticket holder which had a chance or sent an email hey try to get tickets they may still be available we've already heard from from people who are coming from out of country to see this thing Mm -hmm. so cliff and i will be there i don't know if we'll be live tweeting it some of the questions i know cliff you're probably a lot quicker at that (laughs) on the uh uh you know i don't you know not worrying about fat fingers on either was, but you know what i mean get out some of the questions that he's asked and stuff like that and uh get your bingo cards ready to see if he is answered all the normal five or six questions that he's normally asked
2: yeah Uh, i think uh i think we're gonna have to come up with something really original something that we're something that i know that he will not expect because you know we we got to keep this guy on his toes we got that's right punch and and get punch and pie absolutely yes (laughs) I'm telling you, more people will show up if they think there's punch and pie. That's
1: right. That's right. So. Yeah. Viva viva la la, la, revidiação. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, send us a message on social media if you are going to be coming. Uh, You won't be able to miss us. Um, You know, I I don't know what Cliff's going to be wearing, but you already got props, by the way. I'm going to give a shout out real quick before we leave. A, A shout out to the guys over at the turf district they that picture that we took of Gina. they noticed your your uh your alouette's flight dick all over your logo shirt
2: <laughs> how, how do you not notice they it? loved it yeah
0: they loved it
2: i'm telling you what and folks if you want to get a shirt like that of your own you absolutely can we do sell merchandise so make sure you check out the link on our uh any of our social feeds you'll be able to find the link for mm-hmm. uh our our spring store uh make sure you check out the merch i mean as i said. Yeah, you know, by all means, show the love, of the sport buff. Show the love to the Alois Boutique. But uh, yeah, we got some new stuff coming out, hopefully very soon too. Exactly. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we'll drop the link uh, as always. Uh, make sure you, you know, like I said, it, it's great merchandise. And listen, I, I, I love being able to go. Out. It's a conversation starter, as far as I'm concerned. That all over T-shirt, absolutely love wearing it. Uh, it gets people talking, gets people excited, you know, about the podcast and that. So, you know, folks, if you want to get a shirt like that of your own, follow us. We will lead you the way.
1: That's right. That's right. So, hey, uh, again, uh, any other questions, comments, concerns? You, you know where to reach us on social media. Um, but as always, we're very proud to be here and talk to you guys about Alouette's football leading up to the kickoff of the 2022 season. So, Cliff, I will see you Monday. Looking forward to it. Get out the popcorn.
2: Or the punching pie.
1: Or the punching pie, or both. So, for everybody here at the Alouette's <laughs> Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Take off to the
3: great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north.
0: Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.